Everything was set. All the details had been taken care of. The venue was carefully selected. The menu was thoughtfully chosen. The guest list was painstakingly finalized. But when the moment for the big event arrived, everything fell through. That's been the case for many of our best laid plans recently, hasn't it? Weddings have been postponed. Vacations have come and gone without us. High school and college graduations are being replaced by diplomas sent home in the mail. Holy Week worship has relocated from crowded churches to online services watched at home. Normally, all of these are occasions when we would plan for the very best, yet our experience of late has been anything but best. I sense that that same spirit of disappointment and letdown must have filled the hearts and minds of the disciples as they sat with Jesus in the upper room. During the weeks and months that led up to that last supper they shared together, it had become clear to the disciples that Jesus had been preparing to take over the throne of his ancestor David and rule over the whole world in God's name. Think about all the things that had happened up to that point. For years, Jesus had traveled through Palestine working powerful signs that had revealed his true identity as God's son. And most recently, his last and greatest sign, the miracle of the raising of Lazarus from the dead, revealed that God was working through him as God had worked through no one else. Although the religious and political leaders had begun to plot against him, the entire Passover crowd in Jerusalem had celebrated Jesus' entry into the holy city as if it were a royal procession. The crowds hailed the one who rode on the back of a colt as the one whom prophets had identified as their king. They shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. With God on his side and the people behind him, Jesus was in position to take back power from Herod and Pilate and even the emperor. Describing how the disciples and Jesus gathered at the table that night, John, the narrator, brings all of those expectations to a head in the words he uses to set the scene. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So what did Jesus do in this moment when his closest followers had gathered to raise a glass in honor of their teacher who would be king? In what way did Jesus choose to embrace his identity as the Son of God, the Christ, the one coming into the world? He got up from the table and took off his outer robe and tied a towel around his waist. He poured water into a wash basin and knelt down in front of his disciples and began to wash their feet, 
That isn't what a king would do. That isn't where God's anointed one belongs. And yet, it is where Jesus placed himself beneath his followers in an act of humble service on their behalf. So incongruous was that gesture that Peter initially refused to accept what his master was doing, saying, no, you will never wash my feet. And even after Jesus had explained that that washing was necessary, Peter's remark about washing his whole body showed that he still didn't understand what his rabbi was trying to do. This wasn't a ritual cleansing or even a symbolic teaching. This was Jesus showing his disciples who he was and who they must become. Do you know what I have done for you? He asked them. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must watch, wash each other's feet. I have given you an example, just as I have done, you also must do. Being a disciple of Jesus isn't about literally washing one another's feet, but it is about following the example that Jesus has set for us. It's about pursuing the pattern of perfect humanity that the incarnate one has embodied. It's about striving for that divine kingdom and embracing that revolutionary power which can only be expressed through humble and loving service. If I have washed, Jesus says to us, you must wash. What I have done, you also must do. You do not understand what I am doing now, but you will understand later. The crown of thorns, the hard wooden cross, the cold rock-hewn tomb, the miracle of Easter. Jesus doesn't simply tell his disciples what they should do. He does it himself in order to show them who he is and who God is and who they must become. In loving sacrifice, Jesus has not only washed our feet, but given himself up to death for our sake. If we call Jesus Lord and teacher, for that is what he is, we cannot confine his example to an annual reenactment, a symbolic performance of humility that his disciples undertake once a year during Holy Week. Instead, we must see in Christ the example of perfect humanity and recognize our own calling to pursue it, not only because we are his followers, but because we are human beings. For in the incarnation, he has shown us who we really are. This year, we cannot gather in church to wash one another's feet, which is our collective loss. In this live stream worship, we will recall Jesus' act of humble service by pouring water into a wash basin and remembering what he commands us to do in his name. Maybe some of you will ritually wash 
your hands and feet or the hands and feet of other people in your homes, remembering that same mandate of love. But then again, many of us live alone. Whose hands or feet will they wash this year in Jesus' name? The peculiar circumstances of this Holy Week and the distance between us that they require, it helps us to remember that following the example of Jesus means more than washing one another's feet or hands. It means loving one another as we have been loved, humbly and sacrificially. In that Last Supper with his disciples, Jesus' plans didn't fall through, though the expectation his disciples had for that final meal probably did. Yet in place of those expectations, they discovered something more valuable than any celebratory meal that they could have planned. In this season of our own necessary adaptation, when we cannot raise a glass together at weddings or graduations, when we cannot embrace one another at birthdays or funerals, when we cannot even assemble as the people of God on the holiest days of the year, we too have an opportunity to let go of our own expectations of what will make us happy. We have an opportunity to let them go in order that we might discover again the source of true joy. As disciples of Jesus, as the people of God, as human beings made in the divine image, we are called to love others as we have been loved. We are called to let go of our own expectations of how the best moments of our lives will unfold and instead to trust and believe that by giving everything up for the sake of others, we too will rediscover the deepest joy imaginable, a joy that can only come from living in and sharing God's love. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.